Hey guys, it's Pastors Aaron and Terry Bagwell, and we wanted to say thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend to keep others around you encouraged throughout the week. We hope you have a blessed day and enjoy the podcast. God bless you. wanted to take a few minutes. We've been in the middle of our series on the book of James, but today we we're kind of taking a pause for Father's Day, and I have kind of a special message about becoming <clears throat> a godly man and what that looks like. And uh, so I just wanted us to kind of jump into this about the empowering, the empowerment that we can have as godly men, especially as godly fathers for the next generation, especially our children. So let's pray over this today. Father, I thank you for the next few minutes today that, Lord, we can be encouraged, exhorted through your word. Lord, your word is life. It is truth. And it guides us and comforts us through any and all seasons. And we thank you for this today. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. You know, as a godly man, I believe we have a duty to empower the people around us, especially our children. Being this is Father's Day. I'm going to aim it a little towards that, but of course, it's applicable to any of us this morning. That empowerment is something that is a God-given authority when we're talking, especially in the spiritual. You know, the word empower means to make someone stronger and more confident, especially in controlling their life, claiming their rights, and walking in an authority they didn't have prior. So when we talk about empowering a person, you are pouring out so that somebody else can thrive. And this is something, as a godly man, as a godly person, that we should be walking in and that we should know we have the authority to walk in. You know, I meet a lot of people doing what I do. And everybody comes from a different background. Some people are very confident. They, they walk in leadership and different roles. Others maybe a little more quiet, a little more reserved. But no matter what our personality type is, there's this challenge a lot of us might deal with, which is the understanding and the knowledge of empowerment. That, well, I can't empower anybody. But yet when you become a man of God, a woman of God, a child of God, his presence comes on you. His strength comes on you. His anointing comes on you. And all of a sudden, you have something maybe you didn't have before. You have a knowledge. You have a strength. And you've received an empowerment from heaven. So as we talk about walking, becoming a godly man, we're going to talk today about how we empower our children, and we're going to dive into this. Are you ready? If you are, say yes. So the first thing I want to talk about is empowering with vision. And throw that first uh, point up there for me. A godly man empowers his children with vision. Now I want to read a scripture out of Genesis 37.3, and this is a story of Jacob and Joseph. Jacob also was renamed Israel. And as we know today, the descendants of this person, Israel, are now the nation of Israel. In verse 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. Have you ever heard of the coat of many colors? This is a, you know, it was popularized, secularized even. I think they made, you know, the Technicolor coat and did all these goofy things on Broadway with it. But the original story was that there was a father 
who had children, and he favored one of his children over the others. Now, I was raised, you're never supposed to do that, you know. And if your kids come up to you and they say, who's your favorite? You say, you're all my favorite, you know. But that's not what Israel did with Joseph. He said, you're my favorite. And the other kids got jealous and mad, which is why we shouldn't do that. And um, But not only that, he gave him a coat of many colors. And what this signified was, first of all, that Jacob loved him, but it was a visually um, created statement every time he wore that, that this type of coat was only to be worn by a person of wealth and authority. And in fact, it was showing that he would eventually take over the family's inheritance. And so here's Joseph, who was the youngest at the time, or one of the youngest, but yet he was chosen by the father. And of course, the older brothers had a fit. They were angry. They threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. Went down this whole crazy thing, all because of this. But I want you to see something. This is how powerful your empowerment of vision is for your children. Now, Israel, although maybe we would disagree with how he did it, he felt led of the Lord to do this. And as he empowered his child with this vision, even though a lot of problems came his way, even though his own brothers uh, sold him into slavery and tried to kill him, and all these crazy things took place, God blessed what the father put on this child and honored the father's desire to empower him with this coat. So everywhere that Joseph went, he walked in this empowerment. When he was in jail, he became the best jailer there was. He, he actually became the head of the prisoners to become the head jailer. When he was with um, the different people along his journey, he just rose in the ranks. And then when he uh, was pulled because of an interpretation, Pharaoh, the leader of the world at the time, pulled him out of prison and eventually made him his right-hand man. And that eventually delivered the family from certain starvation and death because Joseph was placed in such a sphere of, of empowerment and anointing that he saved millions of people. Now, it's a wild story, but what we can see is that the father saw something on him. The father had a vision about his son and said, you're going to walk in this inheritance. You're going to walk in wealth. You're going to walk in leadership. And his brothers and everybody thought it was just for that family, that little family. But God said, no, this is so much bigger than your family. This is actually for an entire nation, really the known world at that time. It's a wild thing. So vision was cast upon Joseph from his father because Joseph was destined to be this leader of wealth and authority. And a father should be praying and asking God, reveal the things about my children and who they are. If you don't do this very often, I want to challenge you to start like never before. As your children get older, they need to hear from you as the father. Who am I? They need to have somebody say, you're gifted in these ways. You're gifted in this way. God made you special in these areas. I can see that as your parent. I can see that as your father. I can see you have a smart brain, a technical brain, or you're an outgoing personality, or you're this, or you're that, or you have skills in athletics, or you don't have skills in athletics. You need to put your skills in a better place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because sometimes parents try to make their kid the next LeBron James, and the poor kid can't even shoot the ball. You know what I'm saying? That we cannot live vicariously through our kids in hopes of some long-lost dream we had, but no, the healthy approach is to say, God, who is my child? Now, if you have multiple children, Terry and I have three amazing kids. You learn something. They're all very unique, and you really had nothing to do with it. 
Now, we have our job of grooming and, and teaching and pouring into them. But all three of my children are very distinct individuals. I'm sure you see the same if you have ch multiple children. That you feel like, well, I raised them all the same way, but they're all so different. And that's because of the unique traits that God has put in their lives. Some might be gifted at one thing, and the other might not be gifted at all in that thing. And that's okay. So our job is to empower with vision for their life and say, God, show me who my child is and speak that into their life. And I tell you something, it's powerful and it's biblical. And your words should never be full of the doubt and death that we get when we're frustrated. That'll shape their life in a negative way. No, we need to feed the life of God into them. Now, one of my daughters, she is back with the babies today, Drea. And she is full of opinions and life and all these things, you know. And there's moments where we clash and, and hit heads, you know. And I could be very frustrated in the natural. And I'm like, ah, like, don't do that. Don't do that kind of a thing. But when I really prayed about it, the Lord revealed something to me about her in that moment. And said, she's like a lion. And your job is not to cage her. Your job is to tame her. And to teach her when to let that roar out. And I'll never forget that word. And I told her that. And she didn't know what I was saying. But I've always called her my little lioness because of this. Now, that's kind of a, you know, intimate thing I share with you guys here. But the reason I share it is so you can understand something. That you will see things with your children that are special and unique. Don't try to stifle it. Don't try to say, well, you're made this way. But uh, don't do that. <laughs> You have to pray, well, God made this, this person, not me. You know, may have participated, but uh, God's the one who did the miracle. God gave them the personality. The Bible says that he knows the hairs on our head. The Bible says before we breathed our first breath, he had a destiny for us. So that child came into our life, and as fathers, we are a steward of that now. So our job is to guide and manage and do our absolute best to see and guide and help and develop the gifts that God put in them. We didn't put the gifts in them. God put the gifts in them. Can we all say amen? amen. So empower, a godly man's gonna empower with vision. The next thing is you're gonna empower him with resources. David and Solomon were a father-son duo. In First Chronicles 22, it says, Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million talents of silver, bronze and iron beyond measure. It's so abundant. I've prepared timber and stone. You may add to them. The amount translated is rough, but it was up into the billions of dollars. And this was David preparing to build God's temple, physical temple back in the Old Testament. David sinned and God told him, you won't see the completion of this, but your son will. So David ran with a new job. My job isn't to build the temple. My job is to prepare the resources for my children to finish what I'm not going to do. God wouldn't let David do this, but instead of David getting mad at God, he blessed his children so that the fulfilling of God's prophetic word would be completed. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. What we build should not just be for us, but we should be thanking not just for our children, but our children's children, our grandchildren. We must thank multi-generationally. This is God's 
challenge to us, mandate to us, guidance to us. The Bible teaches us how should we be thinking. Are we just grabbing for today or what are we trying to think of for the next generation? I believe in natural resources. Financially, this should be a goal. But I think this is even bigger than that because as we know, silver and gold will pass away, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. That the things we should be aiming at when we're talking about these resources are the natural resources. Sure, we need to be teaching, preparing, growing with whatever things we do have and teaching and passing that on. But it's the spiritual resources that God gives us that we need to be passing on with a very on-purpose task and growth. In Genesis 45, it says, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. This is about Joseph. We talked about Joseph that if it wouldn't have been for Joseph, the curse of that famine would have destroyed the promise of Abraham. So even though Joseph went through so much, he was destined to break a curse. And the same can be true in your family because someone in your family has to be the curse breaker. Amen? Now, if you talk to different families or maybe yourself have experienced this, you know that curses actually can be very real. And you can find curses that flow through bloodlines. You can find it from different um, vices. I always call them vices. These could be things from alcoholism. This could be drugs. This could be um, suicide, a spirit, right, that can flow through a family. You can see it uh, with anger. You can see it with rage. You can see it with um, lusting, right, cheating, adultery. You can actually find certain curses that might exist in family lineages, and you're like, man, well, my grandpa committed adultery and my dad did. And right. And all of a sudden that thing might come on you. That's that's my heritage. That's the curse. And see, Jesus breaks the curse. And so I'm blessed to say, hey, I'm a multi-generational minister, right, in, in ministry. But guess what? Somebody had to break the curse on the Bagwell bloodline. It was my grandparents on both sides. They were all the curse breakers. My, my dad's dad, my grandfather, was the curse breaker on his side. And he was not a Christian, and his mom was, but his dad wasn't. And there was alcoholism and violence and all this. Racism was bad. I mean, all these things. But that curse got broken. God changed him, and he gave his heart to Christ and started leading his life in a completely different way. So the reason I say that is sometimes in church, you go, oh, yeah, well, Pastor, but you have this great family heritage. You know, my family's a mess. You know, be the curse breaker then. Be the first. Praise God. Amen. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey. You get to start right now. And the best part is it starts really simply where it starts for everybody at the foot of the cross in surrender to Jesus Christ to say, God, I give you my life. Take it. Use it for what you want. I give you my family, therefore. I give you this generational curse. I, I reject it. I, I put that at the foot of the cross. 
I put this at the foot of the cross. I, I put these desires at the foot of the cross. Father, all these things that I feel the weight like, ah, oh, well, that was grandpappy's desk, and that was my dad, or that was my uncle, or whatever. I put it all at the foot of the cross, and now I look at my children and say, uh-uh, we have a new path being forged. It's a new thing. It's different. It's anointed by God. It's guiding us in a new thing. We're not going to be bound by the past curses. We are going to walk in the newness of life that God has called us to. Everybody say amen. And last, we want a godly man empowers his children with gifts and talents. Second Timothy chapter one, verse five says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it's in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That's an impartation, by the way. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. All of us have something in us to impart into our sons and daughters. You have something in you, and it's your destiny to impart it. My grandfather, this was a unique thing that the Lord revealed to me. So I mentioned him. He got saved in the 20s and then late 20s. And then shortly after that, the Great Depression hit our country. So our country was ravaged by poverty. And my grandfather, just like every person was subject to it, he had holes in his shoes. He couldn't find work. He was in soup lines. He was starving to death, so to speak. I mean, he was surviving, but it was a horrible time. He was under this curse of poverty. And one day when he was standing in a soup line, he, he was praying. He was sad. He was depressed. I'm sure like everybody, I'm sure would be. And the Lord spoke to him, if you will leave the soup line and come seek me, I will reveal to you how to never live under this burden of this poverty ever again. And he did. He, he fasted. And he was a big man. He was 6'5". He's muscular, ex-marine. And this guy, all he was eating was the soup. And then he said, I'm not even going to eat that today. He went and sought God. And he said, the Lord revealed to him the truths about giving. Now think about this. Here you are in poverty and you have nothing. And the Lord reveals how to break poverty is through giving. I have nothing to give. That's how you feel. But yet that's the revelation God gave him. And so he didn't look at what he didn't have. He looked at what he did have. And he gave those worn out shoes to somebody and went barefoot for a little while. I mean, <laughs> he just started at the very bottom. But he began to walk through a journey of giving, learning tithing, learning how to help people in need. And you know what began to happen? Blessings started to just come into his life. I love what Lee shared. I didn't know what Lee was going to share. That's sometimes fun and scary as a pastor. Of course, there's great trust there, so there's no worry. But I was excited to hear, but I love what Lee shared today about your journey. But what a truth, that there are principles in truth about giving that God ins instituted, not us. And so when he started giving, he began to see like somebody else helped him out. That little miracle took place. So a little food came, an opportunity came for him to speak somewhere. A church blessed him with a little bit of money. He started getting on his feet. A thing happened here. A thing, and before you know it, things started clicking. 
But he started making the principles of what God revealed to him, and he started to break poverty. And then what happened? He started sharing those truths with as many people as he possibly could, and that started happening on those people. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because I'm talking about empowerment. Now, the Lord revealed this to me, and he says, Aaron, what you're doing today with Expect Hope didn't start with you. Because what do we do with Expect Hope? We attack third world poverty. We go hard. We find the, the most desperate of situations all over the earth with children who are starving to death, dying, and we give, and we give, and we support, and we help, and we bring them out of poverty, and we bring them into education. We just had another wave of college graduates through Expect Hope this May. Like, what? We're seeing pastors coming forth. We've planted over 100 churches to date, and we're getting ready to do another 100. Are you guys ready for this? And what's amazing is that the people that are now the pastors, about a third of them are Expect Hope kids that are now young adults. And their next steps are, what do we do? And they're going to the Expect Hope Bible Colleges at our Expect Hope campuses in Nepal and in Philippines and in Albania. Now, this blows me away because even when we talk to the governments of these nations, like in Albania, they're saying, how do you do this? The head of social services and us talk in Albania and work together. And she's even said, how do you guys do this? I said, Jesus. I said, I don't understand. I said, I know. <laughs> but I said, Jesus breaks curses. And we are breaking curses of poverty off these children's lives. We're breaking curses off their family lines through this method, okay? And guess what the method is? Jesus. It's catching the eyes of non-believers because they see the results. And Jesus said, remember we talked about it? People will know you by your fruits. So they may not know you, but they know the fruit. Now, the reason I say all this is the Lord revealed something to me as I was uh, preparing this message, he said, this started not with you. This started with your grandfather. He was the curse breaker of poverty in your family. Otherwise, your family might have been bound to poverty this whole time. But he sought me. I gave him what to do, and he did it in obedience, and it broke something. And then my father came, and he's always walked in the understanding, and he taught me. And I'm walking in that, and now Expect Hope is doing this all over the world. And so it's a wild thing, but here's what we're talking about, that a godly man empowers his children with their gifts and with their talents, with their resources, with their vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's an anointing. What God is speaking to you about your sons and daughters are the things that you have to share. And my father used to tell me how my grandfather would sit with him and say you want to walk in God's anointing give <laughs> and I mean it was a bedrock of the family teaching to the point when I became whatever age I was six or seven and I've told the story a million times I, I pulled a bunch of weeds and my dad promised me a dollar and he gave me a tithe envelope with 10 cents and gave me 90 cents he says do this the rest of your life you'll be blessed now that didn't come from him that came from my grandpa and that came from his moment of curse breaking so as a father, you are empowered to look at things in your family lineage, genealogy, however you want to label it, Ancestry.com, hallelujah, and say, I reject the curses, and I receive the vision God has for my family. 
And so, Lord, I want to walk in your vision, and I'm starting a brand new thing in Jesus Christ at that foot of the cross. It's a pivot point, and I'm turning. I'm turning away from the curse, and I'm walking into the blessing that God has, not just for me. I'm thinking multi-generational. I'm thinking not just my son, Timothy, who's an amazing young man. I'm thinking his kids and their kids, right? This is how God starts expanding you to start thinking, this isn't just for you. This is for the generations to come. Are you in this room? Come on, somebody give God a praise for that. So we're going to close in prayer. Nikita, if you'd be so kind. I want you to just take this moment today on this Father's Day to think as a godly man, your duty as the head of your house, say, Lord, reveal to me about my children, who they are. He will too. He'll show you who they are and speak it into them. And when they don't act like who they are, tell them that's not who you are. You're doing, that's not who you are. That's not who God has called you to be. This is who God's called you to be. You're called to this. Do this and you'll have blessing. Do this and you'll have peace. Do this and you'll have freedom. And sometimes you might look at your kids and just think, I don't know what to say to them. Pray. He'll give it to you. He will reveal to you things about your children. But you have to go before the Lord and genuinely say, Lord, I don't have the answer, so I'm not just going to brush it off until you give it to me. I'm going to seek you about this. Show me who my kids are. Show me their destiny so I can lead them towards that thing. So I can show them the curse-breaking anointing on our family. So I can show them that they're going to drink out of wells they didn't dig. They're going to eat from a harvest they didn't plant. That there were generations that were a part of this. Or if you're the curse-breaker, you, you start prophesying what's going to happen in your family. And what I'd like to do at this time before we close, just say a prayer. And I'd like to have everybody in the room stand, if you would. And I'd like to have all the fathers come forward. And we're going to close out in prayer today. So if you're a father, just come forward. No more games, no more competitions. <laughs> Nothing to be scared of. I want to say a prayer for every father in the room. If we could just turn the, the house lights down at this time, just for a moment of reverence. Lord, I pray over every dad. Every father, whatever age the children are, or grandchildren, I thank you that, Lord, these are your chosen vessels for their children. Empower them. Strengthen them. And, Lord, I'm just going to quickly pray. Father, I pray a blessing on them. Hallelujah. That, Father, you would strengthen and empower them. Reveal to them things about their children, their families, their grandchildren. Father, Lord, they would know, hallelujah, from you who their children are. They would speak that destiny into their life. To walk in the fruit that, Lord, you've called for their families. Anoint them, bless them, encourage them today. It can be hard being a dad. I pray encouragement for my brothers today. Bless them today in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, you strengthen and empower the Father in a special way as the head of the house to lead their homes, to be a blessing 
to their spouses, to their children, their grandchildren. Bless them today. Strengthen them today. Hallelujah. And Lord, show them who they are and show them who their children are. In Jesus' name, bless my brother today. Thank you for the empowerment of the Father today. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we give you praise. Now, everybody, stretch your hands towards these awesome dads. We want to pray a blessing. Father, bless every dad here now. Father, I thank you that, Lord, they are going to have a good day, but not just a good day. Lord, I proclaim a good year in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And Father, I thank you for the turning around of some situations right now in Jesus' name. I take authority over the curses of the enemy. I take authority over the death words that may have been spoken over these men at some point in their life that they're not good enough, smart enough, or can never achieve it, whatever it might have been. We break any curse. Lord, maybe it's a curse of alcoholism or drugs, or maybe it's a curse of depression or whatever it might be. Father, I thank you. You are the curse breaker. And so, Lord, I thank you. These men are walking in your anointing. These are godly men. These are men set apart for your calling. These are men set apart to lead their homes with integrity and authority from heaven. I thank you, Father. These are warriors. Father, you've called us to be men of valor. You've called us to be men who lead with integrity and honor. And, Father, you've called us to be men who lead with a vision. And so, Lord, we pray and bless them today. And so, Lord, I just thank you for the turning of tides. I thank you for the turning around of some things right now. Lord, as we sing that song today, God, turn it around. Hallelujah. I proclaim that be the song for the rest of this year for some of these men, that, Lord, they will hold on to your word, that, Lord, you are turning things around, Lord, even when they don't know how to do it. And so, Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor for this today, and we say, hallowed be your name, and we give you glory and honor, and we say amen and amen. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God a praise for that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. You can be seated at this time. Thank you, dads. We love y'all so much. I'm so thankful all of you came to church today. I pray you have a blessed day. I pray you spoil dad. Give him whatever food he wants. You know, don't even make him feel bad about us. Let him eat, you know. We love y'all so much. We pray you have a blessed day. And uh, enjoy your families. Enjoy your time. And uh, thank you. I will. We're all getting together here. <laughs> and um, it's going to be a good day. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week. Don't forget Friday night's youth barbecue night. It's going to be awesome. And if you want to serve, please let us know. I'll see you at the door here. Hey, thank you so much for watching today. And I pray the message was a blessing to your life. If you want to stay up to date with all things Expect Hope, subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media. You know, we can't do what we do without you. And if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry, please go to Expect Hope Church. Com. You know, it's impossible to meet all the needs without so many faithful supporters just like you. Thank you for your consideration. And if you're ever in the Denver area, we invite you to come join us for a service on Sunday morning. God bless you.